Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Asha Kramer? It's worth noting that much of the information from this case comes from statements made by people who knew Asha Kramer and not from law enforcement or other official sources. Asha Kramer was born in Hawaii on May 2, 1989. Her parents are named Russell and Jeannie. She has an older sister named Ganji. In 1991, the family moved to Redcliffe, Australia. Asha was a citizen of both United States and Australia. Her parents divorced in 1996, and her mother took a job as a nurse in a remote Aboriginal community. Asha's mother described the town as unsafe and said Asha was frightened to live there. One time when Asha was 12 or 13 years old, she was stopped by a police officer and asked about a violent crime that had occurred in the area. She did not want to leave the house after this, so her mother sent her to boarding school. She did quite well academically and participated in sports while she was there. After high school, she returned to live with her mother. In 2011, Asha and her sister suddenly decided to move to San Francisco, California, which they did in June of that same year. Within a few weeks, Asha met a man named Jemai Gale. Their relationship moved quickly, and they became a couple. After struggling to make it financially in San Francisco, the couple moved to Albion, California in 2013. They lived in a residence with several pets. Asha worked at a hotel and in a dog nursery. She started using marijuana around the same time. In early September 2015, after taking a trip to Los Angeles, Asha told her boyfriend she wanted to make changes in her life, namely improving relationships with people and getting a driver's license. She was quiet after arriving home. She had low mood and lost her confidence. But she was also optimistic in certain areas. For example, she talked about getting married and having children. Asha was nervous about an upcoming visit by one of her friends from Australia named Sally Scales. She started having difficulty sleeping at night. She was waking up at 3 a.m. when normally she slept through the whole night. Asha and her boyfriend picked up Sally from the airport on September 16. The next day, they visited a local market. Asha left the store prematurely and sat in her vehicle. On September 18, Asha, Jemai, and Sally were all together in Asha's residence. Asha came out of her room and said that she suddenly remembered a traumatic experience from when she was a child. She believed that looking at photographs from her childhood stimulated her recall. Asha and her boyfriend agreed 
that she should go see a mental health therapist. So they planned to wait until Monday and then find her a place where she could be treated. The next day, which was a Saturday, Asha did not talk very much. Her boyfriend described her behavior as odd and creepy. When someone would speak to her, she would shrug her shoulders and would rotate her hands with her fingers spread apart. On Sunday, September 20, Jemai took Asha to the emergency room at a hospital in Fort Bragg. Asha was not cooperative with the mental health professionals there. She ran out of the hospital, prompting them to call the police. Before the police arrived, Asha tried to enter two vehicles that were driving by. The police arrived and took her into custody. It took three hospital workers, two police officers, and a paramedic to restrain her to a hospital bed. The clinicians believed that Asha was having a manic episode. They determined that she was a danger to herself or others and committed her under Code 5150. This is a civil commitment law in California. Asha falsely confessed that she murdered a neighbor of hers named Joy May Taylor. Joy lived with her boyfriend, Eddie Ryan. Joy was very much alive. So again, this was a false confession. Asha had not murdered anybody. Even though Asha made gestures suggesting she would harm herself, the mental health clinicians discharged her from the hospital. She was never assessed or treated for mental health problems. One social worker told them to come back if they needed to. Jemai and Sally drove Asha back to Albion. On the way home, she tried to jump out of the vehicle. That night, Asha did not sleep. She stayed fully dressed throughout the night. She started their vehicle a few times, even though she did not have a driver's license. At one point, her boyfriend found her burning a piece of paper with a candle. The next morning, Asha walked out of the house. Her boyfriend and Sally found her walking nearby and brought her home. She had been standing next to a tree watching them look for her. Once home, she ran out of the house, but returned a few minutes later. She had been running quickly over gravel while not wearing any shoes, an activity most people would consider painful. Jemai, Sally, and Asha went for a drive in the hope that it would cause Asha to relax. They stopped at the Rollerville Cafe in Point Arena, California. At the restaurant, Asha did not talk much and did not eat any of the food that she ordered. At about 10.30 or 11 a.m., Asha's friend Sally stood up and went to the restroom. Just a few seconds later, Asha started following Sally as if she wanted to go to the restroom as well, but Sally did not know Asha was behind her. Sally never saw Asha in the restroom. Asha exited the restaurant and never came back. Her boyfriend called the police about three hours later and reported her missing. At the time she went missing, she was wearing a gray hoodie and black skinny jeans. A jacket was found on the road leading to the lighthouse at Point Arena. Some people believe it may have belonged to Asha, but Sally said that she was not wearing a jacket at the restaurant. Asha Kramer was not wearing shoes. She did not have identification, cash, or credit cards on her. Her cell phone was located by her boyfriend near their residence. There was an unconfirmed sighting of Asha at 3 p.m. that same day at a nearby beach. Another unconfirmed sighting placed her at a store accompanied by a young man. The police believe that Asha returned to her home in Albion and picked up her German Shepherd before disappearing. The German Shepherd was also missing, but her other dog was not. Why would she take just one dog? The police suspect that Asha may be voluntarily missing and using an alias. 
As I mentioned, Asha's neighbor was a man named Eddie Ryan. His girlfriend was the one that Asha falsely confessed to killing. Eddie Ryan went missing on September 1, 2018, so about three years after Asha went missing. The cases do not appear to be connected, but this is a strange coincidence. Asha's mother, Jeannie, occasionally travels from Australia to California to look for her daughter. Jeannie has encountered many people who claim to have seen Asha at various times, but has not had success in finding her. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Now moving to my analysis. There's quite a bit of evidence supporting the idea that Asha Kramer was suffering from bipolar disorder. Asha's mother said that they have a family history of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. The staff at the hospital believed Asha was having a manic episode. Asha appeared to be highly goal-oriented. She had psychomotor agitation, like unusual hand gestures. Her appetite was severely decreased. She was coming up with a number of bizarre ideas, beliefs, and memories. She was making accusations, like she accused her boyfriend of cheating. Asha appeared to be paranoid, like when she ran away and was watching those trying to find her. She had inappropriate guilt. For example, she thought that she killed her neighbor. Asha had disrupted sleep for several days in a row. She had what was described as superhuman strength in the hospital, and she had a reduced sensitivity to pain. Considering Asha's history, another possibility other than bipolar disorder would be schizoaffective disorder. This is like a combination of bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. This may explain some of the catatonic-like symptoms which were described. 
It seems clear that Asha's disappearance is connected to her mental health symptoms. One of the more troubling parts of this case is Asha's release from the hospital. It doesn't make any sense that she would be released after the clinicians suspected a manic episode with psychosis. Do they believe the symptoms would go away before Asha could cause harm? Asha was there to get help. The hospital should have treated her. Instead, they decided to take the lazy way out. This may have been Asha's first time with psychotic symptoms. This is a crucial time for treatment. I can understand that hospitals get overwhelmed with mental health cases. If someone with a long history of psychosis came in for treatment, that's a lot different than first break psychosis. People with a history of psychosis are more likely to have support systems geared to their condition. Everybody's familiar with what the psychotic episode looks like for that person. But with first break psychosis, everything is new. No one knows what to expect. It's an extremely dangerous time. Moving to the next item, what happened to Asha Kramer? Let's take a look at the theories in this case. Theory number one, Asha ran away to start a new life. This theory is supported by one item, her sudden decision to move from Australia to San Francisco, but the theory is contradicted by many more items. Asha did not have a lot with her, no money, no identification, no shoes. If she did go back to her residence to get her German Shepherd, this would only create more liability. Now she would have to support herself and the German Shepherd. Asha's mother believes that the dog's disappearance is a coincidence. This seems logical under the circumstances. The German Shepherd was probably looking around at all the recent events and unusual behavior and thinking, this is my time to make a break for it. If Asha was experiencing mania, the episode would have eventually ended. Bipolar disorder is characterized by a cyclic pattern of symptoms. The mania doesn't last forever, just like the depressive episodes would not last forever. When the symptoms resolved, she would have tried to make contact with her family and friends. She wouldn't simply stay on the run at that point. Theory number two, when Asha walked away from the restaurant, she encountered a stranger who picked her up and later killed her. Asha was a 26-year-old female. There are a number of people who would have picked her up. Even still, there would not be a large number of people who would then go on to commit murder. Asha's own behavior initiated her disappearance. This theory says that there just happened to be a person around at that time who was willing to commit murder. The world is a dangerous place, but statistically it's unlikely just to walk out of a restaurant and find a killer or someone who was willing to become a killer. Theory number three, after Asha ran away, she somehow caused her death in a manner where her body was never found. This may have been intentional or unintentional. The restaurant was only about a mile from the ocean. She could have easily walked down there and thrown herself in. When considering the evidence, how would I rank these three theories from most to least probable? I would say that theory number three, Asha brought an end to her own life, is the most likely. After this, I would go with theory number two, murder by a stranger, then theory number one, she started a new life. The last item I want to talk about here involves the similarities and differences between this case and the case of Elisa Lamb. With the Elisa Lamb case, we see a woman from Canada who disappeared in January of 2013 after checking into the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, California. Her body was later found in a water tank on the roof of the hotel. 
There are a few parallels between these two cases. For example, both women disappeared in California, and neither woman grew up in the United States. They were only about two years apart in age. Asha was born in 1989, Elisa in 1991. Both women were thought to be suffering from a manic episode. Both cases involved a sudden onset of severe symptoms. Elisa Lamb died from drowning. This may have happened to Asha as well. Both women made the same gesticulating motions with their hands as their fingers were spread apart. Elisa Lamb's behavior was famously captured on a surveillance camera in an elevator. She was making these bizarre movements with her hands. Nobody appeared to be around her, so she was just doing this on her own, possibly driven by internal stimuli. So she may have been psychotic. This type of hand movement is not unusual with bipolar disorder. It's part of the psychomotor agitation that we often see with that disorder. It's like the person doesn't know what to do with their hands, so they move them around kind of aimlessly. As far as the differences, Elisa had been taking medication for bipolar disorder. She may have discontinued it. She had run away before. She did not have any friends in California and was not treated there. With Asha, the symptoms were new. She did have support. She was taken to a treatment facility, although nothing was done to help her. The lessons learned from these two cases is that mania needs to be taken seriously. The person who has mania may feel euphoric, overjoyed, excited, ambitious, grandiose, strong, and full of life. But this is a deception. Mania takes away rational fear and substitutes paranoia as it provides a massive amount of energy that can be used for a destructive purpose. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.